For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in Winning Cures Everything Podcast 207. It is the Monday, March 26th edition of the show. Today's show is brought to you by MyBookie.ag, the best online sports book with the best odds. If you're looking to get some action uh, on this weekend's Final Four games, sign up at MyBookie.ag with promo code WCE50 for a 50% deposit bonus. That means if you deposit $200, you're going to get a $100 or $100 bonus on top of it. So knock that thing out today. Use promo code WCE50 at mybookie.ag today. If you are watching us on Facebook or Periscope, help support the show. Press that share button in the bottom right corner of your screen. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any of your favorite podcast apps. <sighs> I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. <laughs> So much to get through on these things. Uh, on today's show, we are going to hit on uh, it's several different topics. Uh, one, the NCAA tournament final four is set. Uh, are we tired of Sister Jean yet? Uh, do you know who Porter Mosier is? Uh, what, what do we make of the top NBA draft prospects now that they are all knocked out of the NCAA tournament? That's a, a big thing from yesterday's games. Uh, Alabama is in talks with two college football blue bloods for home and home games. Uh, what home and home matchups would you want to see in college football? We'll talk about that. Uh, and then finally, we're going to hit on NFL free agency. We're going to go over the AFC and the NFC South free agency moves. And uh, CBS Sports came out with their five biggest NFL draft busts of the BCS era, and you are not going to believe who they have at number one. Whew. The show, as usual, is brought to you by winningcureseverything.com. Get the latest news and great stories on the website. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash winningcureseverything, on Twitter at winningcures, and you can follow our personal accounts on Twitter. I am at GaryWCE. And I'm at Chris B. Giannini. You want to do uh, NCAA tournament talk first? Yeah, man. Let's do that. All right, so while I'm still sharing this thing out, the Final Four is officially set. Yes, sir. How do you feel about it? Uh, I like it. I like the – we've got um, one Cinderella. This is, what, the third time in a couple of decades we've had an 11 seed? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of nice, isn't it? It's pretty strong. Last year we had an 8 seed. It's, um, it's fun that this is the year, after all the FBI stuff and all that crap that came out, that this is the year that we are – we're away from the cheating, right? Like, none of these players on Loyola, or really Michigan for that matter, are guys that you would have to pay for. Correct. Like, that's that's not... Now, maybe Kansas, maybe oh, Villanova, yeah. no possibly. Doubt. No doubt Kansas. But you don't have a Kentucky or a Louisville. or All the guys that, that their names were implicated were out by the first weekend. So that's interesting. Duke, of course, has got, you know, four possible NFL or uh, NBA draft picks. Um there's there's a lot that there are good things about this. Very, very good things. So uh 
as we said, it is officially set. On Saturday, we start off with Loyola Chicago against Michigan, and we end with Villanova and Kansas. Uh, the the best matchup for TV would be Kansas and probably Loyola Chicago, and the odds makers have it where Michigan and Villanova are going to play. So we'll see what the matchup is. Obviously, why most do you people, think that's the best matchup? Kansas is a blue blood; they get more TV viewers. Uh, Michigan basketball just doesn't pull the numbers that Kansas does. So the Blue Bloods in basketball are always going to be North Carolina, UCLA, I know what they are. You know, Indiana. You don't think Nova has reached that status? No. A lot of people still view them because they they don't have – I don't know what it is. There's not as much cachet with that team. Man, I don't know. They've got a flashy coach. They won a national championship. They played in other national championships. I will tell you that their TV viewership is not very high. And Philadelphia and is a hell of a lot bigger city than it's a, it's anywhere a bigger market. in Kansas. It, it's a bigger market. I'm with you. The but Northeast is light years bigger than the Midwest. That's, I, there would be no way to tell because the last time Villanova made the championship game was against North Carolina. Was against North Carolina. Yeah. So we, we won't know unless Villanova gets there and against like Loyola or even against Michigan. But I would guarantee you, if Villanova makes this championship game, it will be significantly less viewed than there was or than there won two years ago. Significantly less. Maybe. Now the game against Kansas might actually be as highly viewed as the national championship game against North Carolina because of Kansas. And and that's just how it is. It's how it's always going to be for whatever reason. Um let's talk about this. Our brackets could not be any worse. Well, I, there's nobody in the country that has a good-looking bracket. No. I mean, no. You, you might have Michigan and Kansas or Michigan and Villanova playing in your, you know, championship game, and so you're still alive in whatever pool you're in. But but nobody's bracket looked good. Yeah, so so was, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of these people that feels bad about my bracket. Neither you or I got a single Final Four team correct. No. Um. However, uh, our, our wives both did. Uh, our wives wiped the floor with us, and my wife, Jessica, has won the husband's versus wife's pool for the second straight year. Uh, we've only done it twice, and I've been beaten by her both times. Last year was significantly closer than this year. Um, look, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about bad. Uh, Jessica has gotten 40 picks right out of 60 games. It's a lot. That's a lot. 40 out of 60 is absurd. Um, Amy, your wife, has gotten 33 right. I am at 27. You are at 25. And you or I are done. No, we're, We have nothing. Yeah, no, we're done, done. Your wife still has Michigan in it. Mm-hmm. My wife still has Villanova in it and Michigan, although she did not have Michigan going to the championship game. So she had, uh, she had Virginia <laughs> winning the whole thing. So, you know, there, there's still – she could end up with only one more. Yeah, so, she could end up with 41 wins. out of 63, which is just ridiculous. Um, do you know who Porter, uh, Porter Mosier is? Well, yeah. He's, I know who all the Final Four coaches okay. are. Okay. I didn't know if you knew yet because I asked a couple of people at work today and they had no idea. Have they been watching all of these games, though? Yes. That, that, I, don't, I don't believe that. That's they they have if been watching because if they're, they're watching, watching they're, these they're, games. Hang on, if they're watching these games, they're sitting at like 
an Applebee's or a Buffalo Wild Wings where there's no sound on. and Because yeah. there's no possible way you could tell me you've watched one of these Loyola games and you don't know who their head coach is. I think the biggest they thing talk is about him all the, time. the casual fans like that, that are just kind of watching in the background that are, you know, whatever, have no idea. Well, no, but I wouldn't expect the casual fans to know who the coach of the Jets are either. Ask him who Sister Jean is, though. That's pop, but Every she has reached freaking pop. She person. has reached pop culture status. Yes, and he is just a coach. So that's exactly. It. We're having different man. It's different conversations. Let's talk about this. Porter Moser started out at Arkansas Little Rock. He took a four-win team to an eighteen-win team in his first season. He had three straight years without a losing record. He was hired at Illinois State. He had three losing seasons in four years. He was fired by the Illinois State athletic director. Shayon Zinger. <laughs> Funny name, right? Pay attention to that name. I'll explain it here in just a minute. Mosier then became the lead assistant coach at St. Louis under Rick Majerus. Yes, sir. And that was from 2007 to 2011. He was then hired as head coach at Loyola Chicago. The AD that fired Mosier from Illinois State, Zinger, is now the AD at Kansas, who's on the other side of the Final Four bracket. Now, how incredible would that be if we got Kansas and Loyola Chicago? In the national championship, I'd have a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, you know, if I, I were I hate, if I were Mosher, I'd hate, be all over. I hate Kansas. <laughs> so why? Why? Why do I hate Kansas? Do you, do need, you hate them more than Duke? Yes, light years more than Duke. Really? I'm just absurdly more than Duke. I at least respect Coach K. Okay. I, I have I have very little respect for Bill Self. I, I now why why I don't you don't, have respect for Bill Self? Just don't explain like that him. to me. I just don't like him. Just like the like way him. he looks, or no, no, no. Because no, there no, are no. people out no. there that I look at and I'm like, yeah, that guy's I'm tool. not going to like that guy. No, it's not. It's not that. I just I've watched him coach for a long time. I see the guys that he gets in his program. I, I just think Kansas is a shady, dirty, dirty program. They, for some reason, because they're in the Midwest and they're not on this East Coast or the Eastern side of the country, they somehow get get passed over when you're looking at. You know the Kentuckys and the Louisvilles and the Dukes and the and the, all these teams that are kind of playing North Carolina that are that are skating the rules and stuff and and everyone just assumes that Kansas is doing everything right. Man, they got just as many players. They got more players that get in trouble than oh, yeah. other, all these other programs. He just literally care less who he takes. Can yeah. you play ball? Come play ball. And yet, he still won 13 straight Big 12 titles. That's a Big 12, man. Put him in the ACC, and he's going to get beat up. I do agree with he's that. He's going to get beat up. I do agree with that. The Big 12, now, the Big 12, the Big 12 is a great year, conference. No, it's not a great conference. It's well, just not. Why Gary, do you think that? Because I, Gary, by every metric imaginable, the Big 12 was the strongest conference in the country this year. And and you don't think every, they're a good but conference. But if you ask every analyst whatsoever that watches these games and they'll tell you it's the ACC. So what's wrong with your metrics? How are, are every analyst in the country wrong? No. Because every year the Big 12 has two or three really good teams. Yeah. And then 50 feet of garbage. It's, I don't know about that. I mean, my what, God, you've got, hold it's, on. It's what West the Virginia? SEC has been in football the last couple of years. And and people are absolutely right when they say we're not necessarily the best team, best conference in the country. I think the metrics just, work in their favor because... we because have big boys doesn't mean we're the best. Because they've only got 10 teams, right? 
So, yes. like, so Iowa State was not great this year. So if you took the two worst teams out of the ACC, the four worst teams out of the SEC, does the ACC have 14 teams? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got – So take yeah. the four worst teams away from the SEC and the ACC, put them in, like, the America East where nobody cares, and 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 then grade the schools, grade the conferences. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm with you. That's t- it's t- I know this. I watch these games. I don't watch regular season basketball. It's a ter- – so I'm probably the least qualified person to make this statement. <laughs> but I watched the conference tournaments. I did watch the the Big Twelve conference tournaments, and I I saw nothing impressive from any of those teams. Texas Tech looks fun to watch. Yeah, they look athletic and they look explosive. And then Kansas looks badass. Now everyone said because they have a great coach that TCU was supposed to be special. They didn't look special in the conference tournament to me, and they got put out one and done in the in the NCAA tournament, so I have such a small sample size to grade them on. Now I like Jamie Dixon. And I then, think he's oh, a good no, coach. Having a great coach is not a great team. And then, o- and then Oklahoma, the exact same thing. They were one star player and then three bums. Oh, I'm not saying that Oklahoma was, was great by any means, but they do have a good coach. I just don't know so, how. I mean, remember, I, Oklahoma was just in the Final Four two years ago. Now they got beat by forty, but but yes. but what I'm telling you is is you're looking at these metrics and I believe that everything about the metrics are wrong because every analyst that you listen to and every person that writes about this stuff will tell you the Big Twelve was the third or fourth best conference in, in basketball, but this okay. metric says they were the best. All these people who do this for a living and have done it forever. Can't be wrong. I, Some I'm of not them can saying be wrong. that the Big Twelve is the best conference. I'm saying that they are a good conference. No, you, you said, said that no, they no, were no, garbage. No, 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 no. I you said, said they were a great conference. They, if they're ranked third or fourth or what, then that's not great. How they're, is that? Hang not, on. They're ranked fourth out of five. Uh, Grape the band from Memphis chimed in. They said no love for Kansas and self after 08. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. That's the that's but, the Memphis team. But, but listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> How many great? How many conferences are we ranking to be considered good? Five or six, and so they're third or fourth. Well, no, you, you in that got conference? seven major basketball conferences. All right, right, and I think they're about third or fourth. So, how would that consider them to be great? Okay, that's okay. mediocre. That's middle of the road. Middle of the road out of the top seven conferences. Correct. Okay. Okay. I think I that's understand. absolutely accurate. Uh, as for the rest of the field. <laughs> Way too long on that. Michigan beat Florida State 58-54 to on Friday night. It was a fun but very sloppy game. Villanova beat Texas Tech 71-59 to in a game that, look, Villanova played awful. 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 And still won the game by 12. And Kansas beat Duke in probably the best game of the entire tournament as far as play and high stakes, biggest names, etc. They beat them 85-81 to in overtime. Yep. Look. I'll go on and tell you this. I don't think that there has been a lot of, quote, good basketball in this tournament. No. Like, it's been in, it's been incredibly entertaining in some spots, but it has not been well officiated. There's not a lot of fundamentally sound games being played. It's just kind of all over the place. I'm not going to blame the officials. These, it, no, no, no. These, I don't think it's their fault. These games have been sloppy. These yes. games have been terrible. It, do you think that this is a one-time thing, or is this just what college basketball is now? Because I remember a lot of this last year. There were good games last year, and there were good you know, senior-laden teams. And that, that's what makes Loyola Chicago fun, right? It's, it's seniors. There's a lot of chemistry. They're a really good team. It's not just that they are, you know, it's not just that they are a... Uh, mid-major and it's a Cinderella thing like 
this team is great. They're really good. So, no, this is exactly what I think. If I was a coach, if I was Coach K, do you try to get Morgan Bagley? Yeah. Do you, do you try to get some of these stars that are one and done? Yeah. I think once you get two or three of those guys, yeah, I'm going out and I'm openly recruiting guys that aren't as talented but are going to be there for two or three years. If you look at all four of these Final Four teams, all four of them have at least two seniors on the team. Oh, yeah. Multiple juniors on the team. They are experienced. If you want to know what wins in the tournaments, the tournaments that my boy Izzo has made runs in, it was not when he had one-and-done freshmen like he did this year. It was when he absolutely um, had had seniors (laughs) – a more experienced team totally caught me off guard there. That was um, that was my wife coming in to get her keys. Yeah, it was wonderful. But but uh, but, but <laughs> the champion at, of the husbands versus and then wives look at bracket. Roy Williams last year. That team's not full of one and dones. No, not, no, at, not all. at all. And well, and, most of them were back this year, and they only got right. to the second round. No, I mean, it's, but it's just one of those. That, things that's where the thing you got to look at. Experience it that in this tournament. I right. want experience. That, but that's the one thing you have to look at is you need a good combination of NBA talent and experience senior like a junior senior upperclassmen but if you're duke and you're now uh kentucky uh, now duke and kentucky and all you're doing is throwing five freshmen out there every year well see that's the thing with duke I, is you you were thinking all right you got four nba lottery guys and grace grayson out and he's a senior but he's he's going to be a first round draft pick but it, I don't but think... But he's not going to be a lottery pick. It's very difficult to say that you can't win a national championship with freshmen, right? Because oh, John Calipari already did it. Cal did it. Um, and, and hell, and, he almost did it going back, not back-to-back, back, but but going undefeated. Yeah, but, but he got beat by a team that was led by a bunch of seniors. Ton of but seniors. It, but it had two NBA guys on it, right? That's so right. Uh, Frank Kaminsky and uh, what was the other guy? Sam something uh, or other. I don't know the other um, guy. But, yeah. but either way. And so you got to have a nice mix there. Uh, that that actually works out pretty well. Let's uh, let's move into our next topic. NBA draft prospects. Okay. You and I spent a long time talking about this yesterday uh, because we were both watching Kansas and Duke, and once the game was over, we started discussing Marvin Bagley. Correct. Now, obviously, being based out of Memphis, uh, our allegiance is to the Grizzlies. We we're interested in who they're going to be taking in the draft. They'll be number one, two, three, whatever. Um, all of the top 10 NBA draft prospects per NBADraft.net have now been knocked out of the NCAA tournament. Really, the top 11. Uh, before we jump into the top 10, let's discuss the kid that's still playing that we both really like, Mikel Bridges at Villanova. He's number 12 on that list. Um, look, he's a junior. He's the second leading scorer on Villanova. He's a bulldog. He can uh, He can shoot. Uh, but he also mixes it up in the paint. He's a six-six guard. He measures extremely well for the NBA as a wing player. But he is listed at number 12. He doesn't have like that overall just incredible talent and potential that some of these other guys have, right? You most know, of the on. most of the NBA top 10 draft picks are all potential. That's all it is. Hang on. You know who else sounds ex- you know who he sounds exactly like coming Who's out that? of the draft? Russell Wilson. What you just described. I'm not saying that's how he played. Russell words, Wilson, like... I'm not sorry. Russell Westbrook. <laughs> God, I do that all the time. 
Russell Westbrook. I was like, what are we talking about? Russell Westbrook. The words that you just used to describe this. Well, no, Russell Westbrook exactly was a one and done, but he was he was one all, year and he wasn't properly utilized in Ben Allen's offense. But all the words that you used to describe him is exactly how you would describe Westbrook today. Not as a today. A bulldog, a force. He's a wing player, can score from anywhere. Take he's yeah, but super, Westbrook's like, what, like six one? Super, six super crazy aggressive. I'm not. I, I'm not saying he looks like him. I'm not no, saying no, any of that. I, I know but what if, you're talking about. He's you got going, the same. You just described a kid, and I'm telling you, if you were to describe another NBA player that way, it would be Russell Westbrook. Yeah, or or Kyle Lowry, right? Or, or Lowry, yeah. And Lowry's from Villanova. He played for Coach Wright. So yeah, Jay Wright. Uh, he knows how to build up. Well, I'm telling there. you this though. If you had a chance. And you said everybody in the world tells you not to take Russell Wilson should go twelfth. Uh, Russell Westbrook should go twelfth in this draft. And you had the third pick or the second pick, you wouldn't take him because I damn sure take him. I think that that the and way I let that everybody I look laugh at, things, at me. I mean, I can understand it. The issue is they all have. Uh, what, what did I hear the other day? Um, is it FOMO, fear, fear of, of missed opportunity, out. fear of missing, fear missing out. out, fear of yeah. missing out. Um, and that's the biggest thing because these other guys, like, there's not a whole lot on them. But it, it, see, what I'm trying to figure out out of the entire top ten, and we'll go through them, but only two of them are guards. The NBA is a guard-driven league now. Like all the rest of these guys, there's not one that is under six foot eight, other than Colin Sexton and Trey Young. Why did that change this year? Like, what is? I don't understand what the deal is. So, so number one is DeAndre Ayton, uh, Arizona center, seven foot, two hundred sixty pounds. Everybody kind of assumes he is the number one guy. I agree. What with that. What do you do? You agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. I heard Jay Wright talking about. And Jay Wright's not, you know, right on every player. He's he's been wrong before, but his and his analysis. You mean Billis? Billis. God dang. <laughs> Jay Wright from, from Villanova and Jay Billis People from People can't have the same ESPN. first name ever again. It happens. It's just it gonna, happens. I'm going to mess that up. <laughs> anyway, Jay Billis can't be right on all these guys. But the way he describes Aiden, I, I, I have an appreciation for because my favorite player growing up when, other than Larry Bird and Michael Jordan when those guys were gone, was Rasheed Wallace. Okay. I mean, that was my dude. And he thinks that Aiden could be Rasheed Wallace pretty easily. And he kind of looks like him. And his biggest knock is the exact same knock that was on Rasheed. He doesn't really try if, hard. If this all that guy often. tried, I believe growing up, I really believe this. If Rasheed Wallace had the heart and the anger that Jordan had, he would have oh, been yeah. the greatest basketball player and nobody could touch him. LeBron, we would not be having a conversation. Everybody would have forgotten who Jordan was. A superb athlete. Yeah. What he could do, nobody on the planet could do, and he was seven foot tall. He could shoot from half court three pointers. And it they weren't long shots. You know, he was probably thirty five percent from half court on his career. Yeah. That's just what he did. Uh but he was big enough to play in the post. If if this kid if if that's where he can be, then then I would take <laughs> then you're him. all over. I would take him just for the fact of if I can get ten percent of what Rasheed Wallace was. I call that a win. You're, it's not going to be a bust. No, no, no. I, I think a lot of these guys I don't think are, are going to be busts no matter what. Now, he could be a bust if he just quits. Yeah, if he just quits, he then just that's, that's a whole other thing. Uh, number two is Marvin Bagley from Duke, uh, power forward, six foot 11, 235 pounds. Now, 
you had an issue with him yesterday because he's supposed to be the guy that takes over. So I've made I've made it not quiet at all that I don't watch the regular season in college basketball. It's an awful product. But I love this tournament. I watch this tournament every year, and every year I see somebody wreck this tournament. Somebody comes through here usually and says, I'm going to take over a game, and I'm going to let the world know that I'm the best player in basketball, and they get drafted crazy high. And I'm watching Kansas. Would that be Duke. Malik Newman from Duke? I mean, from uh, from Kansas? That Well, it, it could be. It could be. I mean, 32 points no, yesterday. Yeah, he averages no. 13. He did what Bagley. But he's been awesome. He did what I wanted Bagley to do. So I went into the yesterday's game thinking they haven't really been challenged all day, all, all this tournament yet. I haven't got to watch him play against a big boy. Now I get to watch him play against because there were so many upsets in that bracket. Yeah. So I get to watch him play against the big boys. Well, that wasn't really in – well, yeah, yeah because uh, He didn't uh, play Michigan State. He didn't have to play, you know, the the, t- the tough teams. I mean, Syracuse barely got in the tournament. Some people argued they shouldn't have gotten in. So, anyway, neither here nor there. Um, I was ready to watch him play a big boy team. Yeah, in Kansas. And his is, numbers weren't that, terrible. Uh, description. But to be the best player in college basketball, and especially the best player on that court yesterday, and – he had a lot of points. He had like what, seventeen, eighteen points. Yeah, he didn't make a meaningful basket. He got a lot of points, but towards the and his, the, and his the, rebounds, the last were not few great minutes, either. the last few minutes of the game, he made no buckets. Yeah, the the whole half, second half, he made no buckets, and then and then all the uh, the overtime and the uh, the end of the game where this game mattered. He got no rebounds. Now, see, I look at it because I I can't just take one game. You're like right. Marvin I, Bagley has been the best player. I've made it clear that that is an incredibly small sample right. size. But you have an opportunity on national TV where everybody in the world is watching you. See, everybody in the world is not watching you play the 15 seed. Yeah, everybody no, in the no, world is you. not watching you play these other smaller schools. But when you're playing Kansas, you even said it: two blue bloods, they bring eyes. Everybody in the world came to watch you today. And you end up with and you end what, up sixteen up. points. Aiden, and Aiden seven showed rebounds. up in a game where there was nine people there to watch him. It was it was in the middle of twelve other games being played at the same time. Yeah, and him along with everybody else on that team just didn't want to be there. Yeah, they got smoked by an underdog, and it happened. Duke is on national TV. You're the best player in the game. Tell me why you're better than Aiden. Show me. And, and, he, and, and he, he didn't. Show, and he came yeah. up incredibly small in a game where his team needed him. Michael Porter Jr., but just for discretionary purposes, I believe that Bagley should be the uh, the pick for the Grizzlies at least. I don't know about everybody else, but I think that he should be the Grizzlies pick. I think he fits in best, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get to there eventually. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., number three, Missouri, power forward, 6'10", 215 pounds. Um, he played in two games this year, and they lost both games. Yeah, At incredibly he, small sample size. Yeah. He, he he'd been injured he all didn't year. Play very many minutes in any of those games. It, do you think he would still be worth a three pick? I mean, I, I wouldn't want to take him at three just this because is, I don't know what the back injury is. I don't know what all that is. Well, you got doctors to look at that stuff. If it all looks healthy, I'd take the kid. He's supposed to be a stud. Luka Doncic, number this is, four. This is a Slovenian kid, right? Slovenia shooting guard slash small forward, six foot eight, two hundred twenty five pounds. I like him. My only hang-up is that I don't know what he is against NBA talent, right? So he's he's doing great things overseas, and there's some talent, but I don't know what he is against the best, right? People have that knock against Porzingis. Uh, agreed, agreed. Um, 
but not all of them are going to be Porzingis. People had that knock against Giannis. Well, people thought that Ricky Rubio was the second coming of whoever. People had that knock against Dirk. I mean, I'm with you. I got I'm three. You, right? I got three Hall of Famers, and every year we have two or three of these guys that come out of Europe. So three of them have turned in to be just absolute stars. Several others have turned in to be pretty good players. Yeah. Um. I'm. I would not. I'm no longer afraid to take a chance because what do you think you're getting from these kids? What what kind of competition do you think they're getting going against the college? Um, I don't think the college competition is very good either. I mean, you you may be right. I mean, we just talked about how sloppy the play has been in this tournament. Oh, it's been awful. It's been absolutely awful. And I mean, yeah, you you may be right. I do like the fact that I would be more overseas off to take him over a kid that's injured prone. Uh, yeah, and, and if that's, you're worried that's about Porter's going. back, then I'd take him over Porter. Take him in a heartbeat. Take him in a heartbeat. All right, number five, Muhammad Bamba, Texas center, seven foot, two hundred twenty pounds. Seven foot and two hundred twenty pounds is lanky. I wouldn't touch that. I'm, I, and not to mention the fact that he was injured. We have it's, that's exactly, and right. that's uh, seven feet guys that are two hundred twenty pounds get injured Listen, a lot. I don't know a lot about science, but I understand a little bit about physics and fulcrums and levers. And when you got those long bones going on those little feet and I know they're big for normal people feet but they're not big for what you're carrying at seven feet up there stuff doesn't work when you start having knee and foot problems and you're that big it's over yeah and that's that's a problem we never got to see what Greg Oden could have been that's not because of that that's the one guy that if I could go back and say don't be injured and just give me four good years in the NBA he's the one I want because that guy wrecked college basketball Single-handedly. Yeah, I agree with you. So. I agree. Number six, Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J, from Michigan State. Power forward, six foot 11, 240 pounds. He's got a little more, um, what's the word? Meat on him. A little more meat on him. Oh, he's muscly, too. I mean, he's not he's not fat. No, Ooh. he's, and, and I think he's a good player, but I, I just. I liked him. I liked him a lot. I'm partial to Michigan State guys, though, but I, I did like him a lot. Um, next up. Next up is Wendell Carter from Duke, power forward center, 6'10", 260 pounds. Uh, that, that call, by the way, was 100% a charge. And Duke didn't get the call. But, I mean, what are you going to do? It's it, I'm not blaming the officials. It I just, think Duke got calls in that game, which made me feel like, this is why people hate Duke because they get every call, and, and then that one at the end, and they didn't like, get that one, yeah. and that crushed them. Well, and on top of that, them. the uh, the play, I believe it was an overtime where the ball goes out of bounds, and it looks like it goes off the guy from Kansas, and they go back to the review, and numerous times, I'm looking at it going, well, no, that's off on this guy, yeah. and then well, I look they, at it again, it's like, well, no, that's off on that guy. Yeah. And it's there was no there's nothing clear conclusive. Spot. There's nothing conclusive at all. And yet they, they still said it. it was conclusive and they, swapped it they over. Changed it. Yeah, Kansas got a couple of big calls. I'm not saying that the refs gave them that game. Duke gave that game away. Yeah, Colin says uh, it was good to see a player from Memphis uh, shine for Kansas yesterday. Absolutely, absolutely. It's always nice to see Memphis guys doing well. He gets to be in the Final Four without going to uh, without going to the University of Memphis. I understand. We'll get back there eventually. <laughs> Let's move on. Number eight, 
Trey Young, Oklahoma, point guard, six foot two, one hundred eighty pounds. What do you think of Trey Young? I mean, this was literally Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I don't think it was as easy as that. Here's what I'm saying. I think that Trey Young can be really good on an NBA team where he is not Stop. the focus of the defense, right? At so Oklahoma, he needs to be the number two. I think. Well, no, he could even be the number one so long as you have a respectable number two. Like, I, give me an example. Give me an example of that, because that doesn't make any sense to me. No, you you need. If you're the number one, you need guys around you that can shoot the basketball. So you're saying he could be Westbrook if he's got a. Uh, if he's got I don't a think Paul his George. game is no, no, is I'm, Westbrook I'm, no, I'm style. Just saying, but he could be a Westbrook if he's got a Paul George. Like Westbrook's obviously the number one, but he still has a star. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would say that. I yeah, that. I think that he can look. I think he can shoot. I think he needs to be well. the number two. Uh, Colin says Trey Young is a bootleg Jimmer for debt. I I wouldn't. I think he's closer to Jimmer than he is to a star, to an all star. I'm not saying that he's Russell Westbrook. I'm saying he, I'm saying he could do well in the NBA. How about that? I think he could do really well. In oh, the, Curtis, Curtis, boy. It's a, no, they don't sir. play defense like that in the NBA. They Curtis, play defense uh, in the NBA. No, they do play defense. They don't play but, zone. But here's the thing. They well, some of them do now. Not a lot, but um, but no, it's the you're, knock on you're NBA not, players not playing defense. The issue ball. for Trey Young was that he was being double and triple teamed because nobody else on Oklahoma's team was a threat to make a shot. You're right. I'm not disagreeing not a single with that. player. You're right. So so I think that he could do well. I don't know what he is. Like I don't know that anybody really knows what he is. Like what you saw at the beginning of this year might be closer to what he actually is as opposed to. The other side. Oh, that's correct. No, but nobody in the NBA. Curtis says not not triple teams in you're, the NBA. You're yeah. you're right on that. But the athletes that are in the NBA don't have to triple team. I mean, that, there's there's a defensive specialist on every team in the NBA now. And that's the issue is that you have to have guys that can hit shots. Yeah. Like it, no nobody's going to be able to do anything if they're being double and triple teamed. It's just impossible. And or you have stars that are great two-way players. Well, and you, you saw the same thing with Colin Sexton, number nine. Colin Sexton, Alabama point guard, six foot two, 185 pounds. Look, Sexton is a bulldog. Like, Trey Young does not have that bulldog gene. No, he doesn't have that. I no. would much rather have a Sexton on my team than a Trey Young. Trey Young is, is the – now, Steph Curry has, has grown more into the bulldog role. But Trey Young is the guy that's like, all right, well, they're making it difficult for me to get points in the paint. I'm just going to fire up a 30-footer. And you can't always do that. Colin Sexton says, man, forget that. I'm going to go in here regardless of whether I lose the ball or not. Like, he is going into the paint, yeah. and he's taking somebody with it. Well, because you've got a really good chance of getting fouled. Yes. And that's the that's the biggest thing is... is when his game is more acclimated to the NBA anyway, oh, because yeah. he, he will oh, draw yeah. fouls. He'll be James Harden. Yeah, like that's because he just always goes flop. in. Just don't flop. Well, he'll he'll be flopping because everybody flops. That is what it is. Oh, it's gonna. I, it, I know it sucks. That's and I get it. I get tired of it. My God, I get tired of it. I mean, hell, I'm a Grizzlies fan. We used to yell about Flop City all the time, but they got the calls. James Harden does the same crap. Like they get the calls because that's what the NBA is. They got There's, the calls because they didn't like Zach. Well, they're, they're, that's a lot of it. That's they didn't like Zach, and they didn't, they didn't much care or Tony, for Tony Allen and all that. Yeah, those guys were not stars that people in the NBA wanted. But you know they were what stars I realized? That we in Memphis wanted. You know what I realized? Tony Allen's not on a team right now. I know it pisses me off. I just I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, 
Man, Nothing. I wonder what like what is he doing? And he got traded to the Bulls and we don't need waived. About, we don't need to talk about the Grizzlies. Yeah, they, no, we, they really make me mad. Well, they, this is Grizzlies talk, but in a different. Set. Oh, I'm gonna assure you of this. We're gonna f this up. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't I'm, know who the best I'm player hoping. is, but but I have I have watched the Grizzlies draft for over a decade. We're gonna screw this up. I'm hoping you're and wrong. There's, and there's nobody that can argue me about this, other than Mike Conley. We have not made a good draft pick ever. I like, hey, Dylan ever. Brooks was all right. He was second round, though. I mean, we, we got three second rounders this year, so that's good. I don't, second rounders are just worthless. That's, I don't think they're worthless. I think, Jesus, that, Gary, we're talking about potentially having the number one overall pick. And they'll probably screw the number one. And we're going to screw it up. Yeah. It, I'm hoping it's not a Hashim the Beat thing, but it will be. It could be. Uh, Colin says Grizzlies are going to get eight, and how much everyone wants Bagley or Luca. Yeah, you're probably you're right. You're assuming that the Grizzlies are going to get the number one pick overall. I think they. I think it's likely they could. Uh, now I do We're understand. We're going to be your... in a lottery in which we've never won that. Now you're right. We had the worst record in the league the year Bron Bron came out. And what happens? We can't pick worse than third. Oh, we pick third. Congratulations. We what did we do did... with that pick? We took some bum. No, yeah, we did. We took a bum. We uh so uh what, what was that the year that we had like Hakeem Warwick or who who was it I don't know I don't remember I I know that the highest draft pick we have ever had yeah Kurt chimes in thank you Chris Wallace oh somebody pushed that guy out a window um I know that the highest draft pick we've ever had was number third? two number two it was Hashim Thabit oh it was when the Thabit pick and, but that wasn't the year that LeBron was out that no that was, wasn't LeBron year no that was no. several years after that that was Let's, the same year as Steph Curry and, and Kimba Walker was number one overall that year I think no no Kimba wouldn't draft he was like number five that you're you're right but it wasn't it wasn't even that year either here's here's what bothers me about that Hakeem Thabit pick literally five players after Hakeem Thabit went yeah five Hall of Famers yeah like you could not. We're going to give you seven choices. You can't make a bad choice. We're going to put an eighth choice in here. <laughs> We're going the to take the bad eighth choice one. will destroy your life. We're going to pick the eighth choice. We're going to pick the one that will bring it down. Uh, what, what would be funny is, it, because you know how the Grizzlies like to take players with injury problems. We're going to take Porter. You take Porter and he never sees the floor. Yeah. That's, I mean. Jesus. Uh, number 10 was Kevin Knox from Kentucky. Small forward, power forward. Uh, power forward. Six foot nine, two hundred fifteen pounds. Uh, what do you think of Knox? Let all the. It's hard to gauge Kentucky guys because they're playing with all other freshmen. I mean, he's super athletic. Uh, you know what I like about him is he's crazy athletic. Here's here's what I'm curious of: Is this the lowest rank a Kentucky player has been since Cal Perry's been there? Or I guess highest ranked, if you want to. Furthest from the f- number one pick? Possibly. They always had like a one, two, three. If no, not no, one, no. Two I or think three, the year that they, they had like uh, a, they had like oh, a no, you're five. Right. I think yeah. I, if if the draft went this way, they haven't had somebody go 10, their first player to go 10 in, in a long time, have they? I think you're probably right. It has been a little while. That's kind of. Uh, it's scary for next year because they're they're going to have all kind of stuff. Uh, Colin says the yeah. last time uh, the Grizzlies had a high pick before the beat was Drew Gooden. I think that was the year of LeBron James, and and Gooden had a. I don't, mean, he had an NBA to, career. Don't try to explain it. 
Uh, but I mean, we traded him pretty quickly. Yeah, I think we Miller actually does. traded him for Mike Miller, didn't we? I don't know. If I'm not mistaken. Hate, Either way. I hate the way this team drafts. What was Pau Gasol's draft? That he was came from Vancouver. Was, was so he? I don't know. Was he three? Oh, that was he was. Well, they weren't in Memphis then. You sure? I think yeah. he was like the first draft pick in Memphis. I think no, he was that, three. The first draft pick in Memphis was Shane Battier. It was the same draft. No, Powell, yeah, they had two picks, but they didn't have two picks that quickly. Shane Battier. Yeah, no, they was had our number. First. I think it was number three and number six. I, I'll look it up. I'll check you it out. You have to look that up. I don't know about that. I thought Powell came with the team from Vancouver. Let's see. I'm going to check it right now. Because Shane Battier was our first draft pick in Memphis, and I was super excited about that. Love, Gasol, love that guy. Uh, oh, the Grizzlies traded for him. It was no, – hold on. 2001? Was that the same year as – here, 2001 NBA draft. We're just going to check this thing out. We're going to see what's happening. Um, I am a little all right. Pau Gasol, third pick, Grizzlies traded for him, and uh, this was all. You know what? Zach Randolph was that same draft. Yeah. Where's the list? Where's the stupid list? Shane Battier was number six. They were technically still Vancouver. I think that was still the first year. Isn't that right? That was that was the first year Memphis came here. Yep. Because so, I remember so Shane Battier was the first draft pick the Memphis Grizzlies ever took. Pau Gasol was drafted by the Hawks and, and trade traded to Vancouver that night, or to Memphis. Okay. So, okay. So, that was 01. That was before LeBron. Man, do you realize Shane Battier is that old? Well, well yeah, Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol is still in the league. Good Lord. And he can still play. Yeah, he's, you need, he's you all need, right. You need 12 points off the bench. He's got you. Yeah, you got that right. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Aaron Suttles, Alabama football writer at the Tuscaloosa News, reported over the weekend that a deal will be done soon for Alabama and USC to meet in Arlington, Texas again to open the 2020 season. Uh, this coming season, Alabama plays Louisville in Orlando. In 2019, they played Duke in Atlanta. In 2020, they will play USC in Arlington. And in 2021, they will play Miami, Florida in Arlington. Uh with news of the USC game, Alabama will have played a neutral site game in 12 of the last 15 seasons. Uh, normally, that's looked at as a great thing for an athletic budget, right? Because Alabama makes anywhere from 4.5 to $6.5 million for those games, whereas trading home-and-home home games, uh, you get paid a little more for your home game. It's it, it's rarely as close to this as, as you would think. Um, <laughs> David Cowell jumps in. Uh, he says, uh, I don't care about sports, but I love Gary, so here I am. Kyle, we appreciate you chiming in, buddy. Um, and so back to this Alabama ordeal with the home and homes and whatnot. The return trip gets you paid like maybe a million bucks. And so your average over those two seasons is nothing close to what you can get by playing neutral side games. Now, toss in the fact that in the SEC, you're guaranteed four away games every year anyway. If you do home and homes, that'll be five away games in a 12-game schedule for, and, and some schools have to do it, right? So Memphis does it, and it's like, they'll do six home games and then six away games. No neutral site, just you, you got to find a way to fill the schedule. The last two home and homes that Alabama has had were in 2006 and 2010 with Duke, which is crazy to think about, and 2011-2012 with Penn State. 
Alabama AD Greg Byrne, however, has started hearing from big-time boosters that they are ready to see big-time opponents in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Therefore, it has been reported over the weekend, Alabama's in negotiations to play home and homes with Texas and with Notre Dame in the near future. Now, this led me to thinking, one, those are really cool historical matchups, right? Like, seeing those on college campuses, that's fun. We've gotten... Oklahoma and Ohio State over the last couple of years, that's fun to see at a college campus because the the atmosphere is just different, right? If you could get a home-and-home with, like, Wisconsin in Camp Randall, that's a lot more fun than, say, LSU going to... Green Bay? Yeah, which, don't get me wrong, that's cool, too. But it's it's a lot more fun at Camp Randall, (laughs) right? Because the student section is just bananas. I would much rather go to Camp Randall. And having Wisconsin come to Death Valley, right? As opposed to you guys having to play them in Houston. Correct. So I started thinking about games that I would like to see home and homes. First one I listed was I want LSU and USC. And what is your reasoning behind this? One, I think back to that 2003 season where they both claimed a national championship. But USC got left out for Oklahoma? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, But also, that was the year you went to the national championship. I was there. Um, so, and that was in the Sugar Bowl, which is, you know, it cool, but it ain't Death Valley. Imagine those guys from USC coming to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I ain't seen nothing like that. You want to talk about a culture shock? I ain't seen nothing now, like that. Now think about that. the LSU guys and all the LSU fans going out to LA. Oh, the PC world in California could not handle Cajuns. That's what I'm saying. They'd, that they'd, would be they'd, super they'd entertaining. they get locked up and... Yeah, it'd be rough. All right, now what do you think about my number two, Penn State and Oklahoma? I mean, all these are cool games. All, all of them are cool games. That's a that's a cool game. If we could get that one, like, relatively soon with Lincoln Riley and James Franklin, I'd be all over that. All over that. Uh, next one I had was Georgia and Washington. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think Kirby Smart against Chris Peterson uh, would be a fun matchup. If we could get it in the next two years, that'd be even better. I know it's impossible to do this, but it'd be a fun matchup to have Jacob Eason against Jake Fromm, right? So, because that's where Eason's going to be. He's already transferred. He's he's already up there. Uh, and Washington's student section, by the way, when they're good, is top notch. Like Washington is a lot. Their stadium looks amazing yeah. on television. No, it's it it looks like. An and then awesome Georgia, of course, a night game. You know, between the hedges, I'm in. Uh, number four, I have Alabama and Oregon. That's more for, like, late 2000s reasons. Because everybody always wanted the Chip Kelly offense against Nick Saban's defense. You wanted to see what they could do. Obviously, it would not be the same thing now. Mario Cristobal at Oregon, Nick Saban at Alabama. It'd still be entertaining if nothing other than, like, the culture shock of Alabama fans going to Eugene, Oregon, and people from Eugene going to Tuscaloosa. I see that's not super bad because in Eugene and in, in, in Oregon out there, those people still live in trees, man. <laughs> like that that that's not really far from like hillbillies and well, I say hillbillies, not hillbillies, rednecks in Alabama. Now you you might be right. That's that's not a far cry. The 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 swamps of Baton Rouge to the to Rodeo Drive. Now that's that's a whole different deal. That's a little it's a little different. Number five, I got Ohio State in Florida. I think that'd be a lot of fun right now because of Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen. 
Uh, I, I think won't get, I want I would want Florida to prove that they can play football before I want to see that. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but I think it would be a lot of fun to see Urban Meyer have to go back to Gainesville. I don't know. I think Gainesville would worship him. I think that. Oh, I think that's entirely. I think you are so wrong on that. So wrong on that. I think it's like Memphis fans with Calipari. That they're just wrong. They're that, just wrong. It, I'm I'm with you, but that doesn't change how they are. Well, like, do you think if Cal comes back with Kentucky to to Memphis, that he's going to be well received? I'll be at I that mean, game, and I'd cheer for him. I'd absolutely cheer for him when he steps on the court. I'd cheer for him, and I bet more people cheer for him than you think. Ah, maybe I may be wrong. I don't think I am, but I might be. I've been wrong before. Number six, Texas and Michigan. This game's actually happening. 2024 and 2027. But two two Blue Bloods, Texas at Michigan. Just fun to watch. Interesting to watch for historical reasons. right? I don't have Notre Dame anywhere on this list, by the way. Um, because it's obvious that if you go to Notre Dame, you can outsell their stadium. Like Georgia did it last year. It was it was at least fifty fifty, if not more Georgia fans than Notre Dame fans. Correct. Um, I've got Clemson and Michigan State. I like that mainly because of the color scheme. <laughs> I think Dabo against uh, 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 God, what's his name? I just went blank. D'Antonio. D'Antoni, right? Or no, D'Antonio. Is it D'Antonio or D'Antoni? Mark D'Antonio. Yes. Which one's the NBA guy? Is it D'Antonio? I don't know. Either way. We're talking about games it, I think it'd be that a might fun matchup. happen, and some are already going to happen. Tennessee, Oklahoma State, number eight. I like that just because of Mike Gundy's flirtation with Tennessee multiple times. I think it'd be fun to see Oklahoma State have to come to Neyland Stadium. I think Jeremy Pruitt's going to be a pretty good coach. Like This could end up being a fun matchup. Uh, West Virginia and Washington State. So long as we still have Dana Holgerson and Mike Leach. I think you'd see 200 passes thrown in that, that game. This is the first one that you've actually said that made me smile. There, Colin jumps in. He says, uh, Mike D'Antoni. He, uh, he said, I just heard that Memphis got Kentucky for 2019 or 2020 home and home. Uh, a booster told my friend. All the people that said that's not going to happen, Cal will never come back. You think Cal's scared of this place? Lord, no. You're crazy. It, especially not in the first couple of years of Penny. Like, uh, you, you give Penny, oh, like, no. three years? See, I disagree. I don't want him the first couple of years because the first couple of years he's going to have all these hot recruits wanting to come to Memphis. Uh, you and if right. it doesn't work, then you got a chance of it falling off. Uh, you're it, right. You're if right. it does work, then it doesn't matter. It's all sustainable. So. Uh, number 10, I've got Georgia Tech and Navy. Obviously, Paul Johnson at Georgia Tech came from Navy. They run the exact same scheme. I think that'd be a lot of fun to watch. It may be a 0-0 game, or it could be a 70-63 to They'd score. They'd score. All right, let's move on to the next one. NFL free agency. Now, today we're going to go through the AFC and the NFC South. What moves they made in free agency, what the odds look like at betonline.ag for who's going to win the division. Let's jump in the AFC South first. That sound good? Yep. All right, first off, the odds in the AFC South right now at betonline.ag. Now, if you wait a little bit, you can get better odds at mybookie.ag. Use promo code WCE50 for a 50% deposit bonus. Uh, the odds are the Texans plus 175 as the favorite to win the division. The Jags at plus 200. 
They won it last year. The Colts at plus 400 and the Titans at plus 400. And the Titans have a brand new head coach. And they made the playoffs and beat Kansas City last year. What do you think about those? Um, I think the Titans' odds are strictly about we don't know what this new coaching staff is going to be. I think that's all it is. I think you're probably right. I think everyone in the world Same is with picking, the Colts. Well, but I think even – forget whoever's coaching them. I think they're in rebuild. I don't think Andrew Luck's going to throw it down. I think they are not going to win many games this year. You they're think Andrew Luck ever comes back? Ever? Maybe. I do not think he's coming back this year. Do you think he's going to be uh, the same quarterback that he was? Absolutely not. Okay. That's that's what I was – Not even close. If I was the Colts this year, I would draft a quarterback. There, yeah, There are a lot of quarterbacks, and they were picking early before they traded back. Does that make you think they're probably not going after a quarterback? I don't think they're taking a quarterback. Let's go over the Texans. They uh, they signed safety Tyran Matthew, the Honey Badger. That's my boy. It's only a one year deal, seven million dollars. Um, I'm hesitant on it. I think that he can shore up their defense. Uh, this dude gets injured a lot. That's because he plays like an absolute cannonball. Yeah, he does. He, d- he does not know that he's the littlest guy on the field. No, he doesn't. He 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 does not. Do not tell him either. He'll mess you up. Oh yeah, no, you're right. They re-signed Jonathan Joseph. That was huge. That backfield is going to be dangerous. Their front seven is already dangerous. If J.J. Watt can come back and be productive, they could wreck teams. And then you're talking about um, getting Watson back. Yeah. That kid. The reason they're the betting favorite is because they have the best quarterback. They have a coach that's been there. Not a lot of people are sold on him, but he they, he's a face that they know. Yeah. No, I, I, I could see that. Uh, the Texans also signed Sunio Kelemete, uh, guard from the Saints. Uh, Zach Fulton, the guard from Kansas City. So they have shored up that offensive line. Uh, Centrell Henderson from Buffalo, offensive tackle. They are making sure that they do not have a middle-of-the-road running team again this year. Well, I don't know about that. Some of these guys are all on one-year deals, which the NFL this year was the year, man. If I was going to be angry at anybody and I was an NFL player, I would be angry at Denora Smith, the Players Association. Whatever he's doing is getting them destroyed. There is nobody getting big money long-term deals anymore. And the guys that are getting big money are getting short-term deals, and now everybody, everybody's getting one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So so if everybody's going to get a one-year deal, franchise my butt. At least, at least, <laughs> at least make it a one-year big one. But uh, some of these guys, I think they're trying to figure out, are they good? Like, are they are they going to fit with us? Uh, yeah. Are they going to work out? And so, I'm not necessarily talking about all these offensive line moves being home runs. Aaron Colvin, cornerback from the Jags, he signs with the Texans, and they re-signed punter Shane Leckler. That's not surprising. Leckler was a leader in the rocker, uh, locker room. Um Colvin, look, you had you got to do something to shore up the secondary. Yep. Because the Texans were uh, awful against the pass last year, and I don't know if that was because they just kind of quit because Watson got hurt. I don't know. I don't. It's not that. It's not that their defense is on the field constantly as soon as Watson got hurt. Yeah. So the defense just cannot. I mean, you can you just wait until the second you know the second quarter or the fourth quarter and you just start dusting them. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the Titans. 
Ke- uh, Kevin Pamphile, Pamphile, I don't even know how to say that name. I don't know um, anything about this. Guy. He's from Tampa Bay. He started for four years. Uh, he'll he'll come in and take over that uh, that guard spot. He he can shift. He's a, a shifty veteran, so he can play guard or tackle, either one. Uh, he may end up being a backup. I mean, there's there's no telling yeah, what they're going to do. Might not get on the field. Uh, resigned Daquan Jones. That was a big move. Defensive end. He, they resigned Josh need, Klein. Needed to do that. Needed yeah. to sign Jones. Uh, they needed to resign Josh Klein. You got to shore up that offensive line. Um, now the next two, I'm I'm questioning a little bit. One, Deion Lewis, uh, running back from the Patriots. I like the signing, but they paid him like a top ten running back. And I don't know if it's like I don't know exactly what the terms of the deal are. I think it's like a two year deal, right? I don't know the I don't know the years. I don't have it. I had all this stuff written down and then I never got back home to pick it, it up. His salary is, no, is it's, top ten running back in the NFL. But here's what you don't understand. It's because Henry's the, still on a rookie uh rookie deal, right? The top running backs in the NFL aren't getting paid a lot. Right. Every running back except for Le'Veon Bell, if he plays with the the, the franchise tag, is going to be paid undervalue yeah undervalue everybody every running back is on the cheap so you're comparing him to other running backs but compare him to what he actually cost your salary what you were paying demarco and this guy is not close agree not close and he is light years better than demarco he's the best running back on the patriots if you're going to take one you need to take him the next guy is malcolm butler I love cornerback from the Patriots. I love the signing of Malcolm Butler, and here's the biggest thing why I like this signing. Here, Colin I, found the numbers for us. Hold on, for Deion Lewis. Yeah, four years, nineteen million. Yep. Yeah, not bad. No. So less than five million a year. Now Malcolm, they signed him to a five-year deal. I thought and that it was, was crazy long. It, what was, was it? Thirty million? Him. Yeah, I, I something like that. But but I just wasn't expecting five because nobody's getting these long deals. Here's why I think they go hard after Malcolm, is because. Matt, oh, God, I cannot believe I forgot this dude's name. He's like my hero. Patricia, Matt Patricia. Oh, I didn't know where you were going with that. Left the Patriots, be the head coach of the Lions. Everyone thought, well, the Patriots are letting him go. They've got all these problems with him. Belichick messed this up, okay? Belichick messed this whole thing up last offseason, all right? And now Matt Patricia went to the Lions. Matt Patricia is who was betting against the Titans to get this guy. Now, if you've been this kid's offensive coordinator for the last three years and you're now a head coach and you're fighting like hell to get him, that tells you, go get this guy. Yeah, you need to go, get this guy. Go get this guy. Somebody wants him. He's got value still. So, um, Cousin is perfect in Minnesota. Uh, M- McKinnon jumped in. He said, uh, who do y'all like the most between Keenum, Cousins, Bridgewater, and Bradford as far as where they landed? Oh, Cousins. Uh, their future and their contracts. Cousins got the best contract and he's on the best team the um, worst contract? Yeah. Arizona signing Sam Bradford for $20 million. That Are was, you kidding me right now? That was pretty nuts. Pretty that guy is a paperweight. Where did Bridgewater and Keenum go? Bridgewater is with the Jets. One Keenum year went deal. to the Keenum Redskins, went to, didn't he? No. Keenum went to the uh, Broncos. Two Broncos, deal. that's right. Two year Keenum deal. got paid, man. I think they overpaid Keenum. He's like... I think they wanted somebody to come in and like and and shore up that position because I, I don't mean, know that Case Keenum shored up the position. I I mean we'll see, but I think they needed like some actual veteran leadership there. I mean hell, last year they had Brock Osweiler who signed in Miami. And I don't think John Elway is very good at this job. I don't think he is either. Because I, I think he was good at getting the, Peyton Manning. The one back hit and, he got, he got Peyton. Every other quarterback he has picked 
has been awful. Has been awful. And let's not forget, he tried. He tried to get uh, the heist. You just said his name. What's his real name? You just said him. The guy that went to Houston. Brock Osweiler? Brock Osweiler. He tried to overpay Brock Osweiler. Oh, yeah. And Osweiler wouldn't sign with him and sign with Houston. So it's not like he's really good at this. He just got really lucky yeah. getting off, getting out of the Osweiler deal. McKinnon says he's uh, way too indecisive. Always, yeah. And well, I just don't think he can recognize talent. I mean, I just think that's a fact. Well, may, maybe just at that position, he may be better at recognizing defensive talent because he did he did help build that defense. I think he's got guys that help him build that defense. You know, he needs a guy to help him find a quarterback. Uh, Jaguars, Austin Sferian Jenkins, tight end from the Jets. This this is a big signing. Well, this and Niles Paul, tight end from the Redskins. Yep. Both of these are perfect because, look, the Jags were – they only had 43 passes caught by tight ends last year. That was last in the league. They are changing their offense up dramatically because they let their two best wide receivers go. Yeah. Um, so. They did, however, sign Dante Moncrief. Uh, we'll see that's if it. A, we'll, we'll see if it's the same guy that caught a bunch of ball like seventy something passes back in 2015, or if it's the guy that's missed like 14 games over the last two years. He was good in college. Uh, he was good for the Colts the first couple of years, but I mean we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, they well, also uh, re-signed Marquise Lee. Uh, they signed Don Carey, special teams defensive back guy from Detroit. Uh, DJ Hayden, cornerback from Detroit. They went all in on DBs. And Andrew Norwell from the Panthers, uh, starting guard. He will slide right in and work perfectly with that offensive line. Um, let's move to the Colts. They got Matt Slauson, offensive line from the Chargers. Ryan Grant, wide receiver from the Redskins. That's a that's a weird deal. He was going to sign with the Ravens. He quote unquote failed the physical. And the Ravens ended up signing. Who was the other wide receiver that they ended up signing? Oh, they signed Crabtree. Crabtree. That's and right. So, released. so the Raiders released Crabtree. The Ravens already have a deal in place for Grant, and they mysteriously and he passed his exit physical to leave the Redskins. Yep. But couldn't pass the Ravens physical, and then immediately passed the, the Jaguar, Colts. Physical. The Colts physical. Yeah. No, that's the Reds. That's the Ravens just doing chicanery right there. That's yeah. them absolutely falsifying medical documentation. If I'm the players' union, I am all up in Goodell's butt because that is Goodell's boy. Yeah, that owner of that team, he is closer to than everybody else. That's his boy, and I would be all up in that. You cannot just every every doctor that's looked at him that are team doctors. Everybody has says he's said, fine. This guy's healthy. The Ravens offered him a crap load of money, and they all of a sudden had buyer's remorse. Well, guess what? You don't get to sign a contract and have buyer's remorse. Yeah. If the house don't pass inspection, it's one thing. But if it passed inspection and you made a bullcrap offer, you that's on to, you. You had to write that check. That's on you. Uh, they also signed Eric Ebron, tight end from the Lions. That's a good signing. Man, I don't know. That guy was supposed to be a star when he came in the NFL. He well, I think it depends on who's throwing to anything. him. Right? And Matt I understand Stafford? Matt Stafford. I'm with Matt you. Matt Stafford I'm... is the best quarterback that was thrown to him. in the Any quarterback outside of Peyton Manning, Matt I'm, Stafford I'm talking right about is better than At the Colts. I think he can be really good at the Colts as long as he's got somebody throwing to him. Uh, he did, however, get some money, though. So props to him. Uh, Danico Autry, uh, de- uh, defensive end from the Raiders. That was a good pickup because look, that defense is moving from a three four, which Chuck Pagano ran forever, to a uh, to a four three. So, who do you think had the best offseason in this conference? Best Forget off-season. about who you think is going to win. Not, no, no, I'm, not with you. I'm, I'm looking at at who had the best offseason. Don't get to pick the quarterback. None of them changed that. 
And I'm probably going to go with the uh, the Texans, I think. I think the Jaguars have it. You as much so? as I love the Honey Badger signing in, in, in Houston. I think the Texans shored up their offensive line. See, really I just well. don't believe in any of those offensive linemen. I don't think any of those – none of those guys are pro bowlers. None of those guys are stars. None of those guys are great. Yeah. <sighs> I don't that's know. I mean, that's I, why. I guess that's the only reason why. I think the two most important players that got picked up were were keeping Jonathan Joseph and keeping or and getting Honey Badger. Yeah. Other than that, I think the rest is just kind of whatever. I think Jacksonville I think got the best the offensive lineman out of the bunch, and I think they that they, they doubled down on their defense. Well, they and they, and they got their tight ends. Great. They needed to, to fix their tight end situation. I think Severian Jenkins is a is a top tier tight end. If he has when he has people throwing to him and he gets interested, he can play. I know he's older. I, I think that he and uh, and Niles uh, uh, yeah. whatever will um, will do a lot better for Bortles there because I, I don't think that Bortles is. I think he's a dump off guy. Yeah, he's not good at playing and quarterback, it's, and it's perfect to have tight ends that can actually run routes. In short yardage. Yep. I think it helps out tremendously. Uh, let's move on to the NFC South. Uh, we have gone over an hour, but hey, we're all good. We're going to roll through this. Uh, the odds per betonline.ag. Uh, and if you wait just a little bit, you can go to mybookie.ag and use promo code WCE50 and get better odds uh, within the next few weeks. Falcons plus 150 are the favorites to win the NFC South. Remember, this is the division that had three playoff teams last year. Falcons are plus 150. The Saints are plus 175. The Panthers are plus 300. And the Bucks are plus 1,000. Now, the reason the Bucks are plus 1,000, I don't think it would normally be like this in any other division. It is the fact that you have three playoff teams in this division. It is incredibly difficult to jump all of them to win the division. Their schedule is going to be easier this year. The Bucks is. Well, yeah, they're playing a last place schedule. They're exactly, terrible. that's what I'm saying. They they've got a quarterback with his head up his butt, and they've got a head coach that can't find his way home. I agree with you, but I, it, it's not impossible. Like it's not impossible. No, well this this conference we have seen this, this crap historic, happen. Not not just this crap. This conference, this division right here, yeah. has the last place team won the division like seven years straight. Yep. The next year. Exactly. So that happens. Dirk Cutter was not the co- coach of any of those teams, and Jameis Winston is, ha- is ridiculous. Just an, he's just an idiot. I agree with that. Uh, the Falcons, uh, they picked up Justin Bethel, cornerback special teams guy from Arizona. They re-signed Derek Shelby, defensive end. They needed to do that. Uh, Logan Paulson, tight end from San Francisco, and Brandon Fusco, guard from San Francisco. Uh I mean, it's whatever. They lost they, on Terry Poe, so that's, yeah, you but know. That, that's not that's not huge. He he didn't play very well last year anyway. Yeah. Um, they their offense is fine. And their defense was good last year. I have I can't explain why they didn't score more in games when they had an opportunity to. I can't explain why other than just Steve Sarkeesian sucks at his job. He's just real bad. I can believe that. Saints re-signed Drew Brees. They re-signed Alex Okafor, defensive end. Uh, Jermon Brushrod, offensive lineman from Miami. He's going to come in. He'll probably be a backup. Uh, he takes over for, uh, what was the guy's name? Um, it was that weird name. Uh, yeah, no, it's S- Sanio Kelamete. Uh, he'll, he'll take over his spot. 
Tom Savage, quarterback from the Texans. He replaces Chase Daniel, who signed with the Bears. Uh, Demario Davis, linebacker from the Jets. That was a good signing. Patrick Robinson, cornerback from the Eagles. Uh, he has been on three different teams in three different years, and he won a Super Bowl last year as a backup. Uh, let's see. Colin says, I get to see my friend Alan Cross play for Tampa against Tennessee next year. That'll be a lot of fun for Memphis fans to be able to make that trip to Nashville to see that. Alan Cross is, he was an undrafted guy that made the roster. I don't know how much time he's going to get for Tampa at the tight end position now with Severian Jenkins and, uh, and Nas Paul. Uh, let's talk about, uh, oh, no, re-signed uh, George Johnson defensive end. They absolutely needed that. And the Saints signed Kurt Coleman, safety from the Panthers. Now, the reason that that's interesting, uh, the Saints actually burned Coleman in his last game with the Panthers. They got him to bite on a Thomas route before they threw an 80-yard pass to Ted Ginn in the playoffs. However, Coleman has also snagged two interceptions and uh, forced two fumbles against the Saints in the past three years. Now he's a player. He's yeah. a good player. He, uh, he got released. He had, uh, he had looks from the Giants and I want to say the Jets. I think it was the Jets. Uh, so he he was going to be picked up, and the Saints moved on him quick as soon as he was released. Let's see. Uh, oh, Colin says, uh, let's see. He moved to fullback. Tampa has O.J. Howard at tight end. Oh, it wasn't Tampa. It was the Jags that, that signed all those tight ends. Yeah. yeah, Alan Cross will be fine. Never mind. Go to the game. You're going to get to see Alan Cross. That'll be fine. My bad. I, my, my brain got twisted. Let's move on to the Panthers. Uh, I mean, do any of these uh, other than Don Terry Poe and they re-signed Julius Peppers uh, and re-signed Graham Gano, like Jarius Wright from the Vikings, he's pretty good. Denoris Searcy, safety from the Titans, he was a backup. He lost his yeah, starting job in the middle of the year. He wasn't anything special. Ross Cockrell, cornerback from the Giants, eh, you know, whatever. I don't know anything about this this guard from Vikings. Jeremiah Searles. This is the second offensive lineman that the Panthers in two years have taken from Minnesota. Last year, I forgot who it was. He was a first-round draft pick, like early-round pick, supposed to be a star. Can't remember his and, name. And played pretty well for the Vikings, but they weren't going to uh, resign him. Early, last couple of years, he was one of the worst like tackles in the league. Yeah. But his brother is like on personnel for the Panthers, and he signed his brother. And like a crazy deal, too. And I'm thinking, who the hell says that's okay? You got me. So, I'm going to assume me. this guard's probably not great. Let's move on to the Bucks. Vinny Curry, defensive end from the Eagles. That was a good pickup. Uh, Ryan Jensen, offensive lineman from the Ravens. Uh, his contract makes him the highest paid center in the NFL. Uh, and I will say this. That dude is a bulldog. He will fight. And that's something that the Bucks have not had in a long time. But getting Curry and Jensen there helps out a little bit. Uh, Chandler uh, kicked for the Jets last year. Chandler yeah, Catanzaro. Uh, we're not worried about kickers. Kicker, yeah, whatever. Uh, Mitch Unrain, defensive tackle from the Bears. Uh, they re-signed Keith Tandy. That's a good pickup. Uh, Bo Allen, defensive tackle from the Eagles. Also another good one. He played well uh, in the playoffs last year. Uh, re-signed Brent Grimes, cornerback, and re-signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, backup quarterback. Uh, tell me who you think came out on top there. In this Division, I think the Saints. I think the Saints have the best best off season here. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about um, who's the new guy that from the Giants that the Bucks just picked up. I blew all his fingers off. 
Man, I am. Oh, awful. Jason Pierre Paul. I could not be worse with JPP. Yeah. Uh, JPP. McKinnon, McKinnon jumps in. He says, Buck's got to drop Winston as soon as feasibly possible. Dude is a cancer. But they uh, won't. They won't because they have to fire the GM and the coach because both of those guys worship him. Yeah. Last year on Hard Knocks, here's what's going to take that GM down. Okay. We have way too much film of Jameis on sidelines trying to hype his team up, and literally his team just walks away from him. Nobody listens to him. He's he's terrible at pregame speeches. He's not a quote-unquote leader. The general manager of the Bucks last year on Hard Knocks is telling a story to somebody about Jameis, and he says, I think he's the greatest leader I've ever met. And he said, <laughs> not on a football field, ever. And I'm thinking, you just went on major TV that's going to live forever? With something that if this guy don't work out, you're tied. To, you're done. You're done. So as long as that kid's there, that guy's there, he, he James is going to be fine. Colin chimes in. He said, uh, a mock draft I saw had Riley Ferguson going there in the fifth round. Are you talking about Tampa Bay, Colin? Because I'm not sure if you meant Tampa Bay. If, if he does... I mean, I could totally see no, Riley Ferguson G- I will taking tell you this. Out. That GM, that GM's not taking the quarterback. He's just not. I watched this guy. I mean, talk in the fifth round, you're going to have to have somebody to come in and eventually replace uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? No, no, you don't draft a backup. You just you just find another backup. Not when your starting quarterback is three years old in the league. I think you're probably right. And you took him number right. two overall. Let's move to the uh, the last topic of the evening. The top five NFL draft busts of the BCS era was released by Tom Fornelli with CBSSports.com. And these were interesting. We'll go five through one, and then I'm going to get your uh, ideas on it, all right? Okay. Uh, Number five, Robert Griffin III from Baylor, number two overall pick in 2012. Number four, Tim Couch from Kentucky, number one overall in 1999. He went to uh, the Browns. Yep. Rebuilding since 1999. Robert Griffin went to the Washington Redskins. Uh, Ryan Leaf, Washington State, number two overall, 1998. He went to the Chargers. Number two, Jamarcus Russell, LSU, number one overall, 2007, went to the Raiders. And number one, Vince Young, Texas, number three overall, 2006, Bud Adams, took him at Tennessee. Can you explain why you think this guy from CBS thinks that Vince Young is the biggest bust in NFL BCS history. I have been going through this in my head all day. I cannot figure out how he... This is just for clickbait and get people pissed off and talking. I guess. If you start this conversation without saying Jamarcus Russell, you're just wrong. Yeah. And the only argument for number one other than Russell would be... um, I just scrolled too far up. would, Would be RG3. And it's not because RG3 is that big of a bust, but it's the price that he cost you. Yeah, it was They traded away five draft picks. Yeah. And then also still had to draft Kirk Cousins. Yep. So they, in essence, wasted six picks for a guy that was there for two years and done. Yep. What they paid for him makes him the the biggest bust over Jamarcus. I think I agree with that. And Vince Young should not be on this. And I actually have to do some research to figure out who number five should be. Tim Couch, I don't even think, was necessarily a bust. I think he was just in a terrible situation. I think he would have been fine at, at a decent team. Drafted Ryan Leaf was a gigantic bust. Oh, that guy. That was a huge bust. That got ruined lives. Yes, agreed. Uh, Colin chimed in on Facebook last time. Uh, wow, no Troy Smith on the bust list. 
Troy Smith wasn't drafted until the fifth round, I don't believe. Um, so that's not really a bust if you want to draft until the fifth round. No, you got to be taken like not just. You got to be taken early. You got to be like, taken like three to five. Yep. Well, number yeah, number All one through guys, yeah. So you got two number twos, two number ones, and a number three. And the number three they have is the biggest bust, and I just don't get that at all. <sighs> All right, you guys know what to do. That is the uh, the end of the show. We'll be back on Thursday during the day. Go check out the website, winningcureseverything.com. Go check out the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, etc., etc. Give us a like on Facebook. Share this bad boy out. We will be back on Thursday. Be excellent to one another. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter at winningcures. You can follow myself at GaryWCE. You can follow me at Chris B. Giannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. You can also email the show. That's winningcureseverything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551-226-9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team or praise us or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551-226-9899, and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show, and until next time, have a good one, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.